When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth Shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make Shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. The Athletic. Ladies and gentlemen, it is showtime. Please welcome the team of the Fulhamish Podcast. It's the Fulhamish Podcast, your independent voice of Fulham FC. My name's Sammy James. Welcome to the show brought to you by The Athletic UK. Lots happening in today's show. We'll be looking back, doing the final word on our win up in Hull on Saturday. Looking forward to a difficult test this Saturday against a 12-match unbeaten Huddersfield Town. We'll be discussing Mitrovic breaking some records and what records he could continue to break. Plus, we've got a load of correspondence at the end. And I'm not joking, some of the This Will Catch On charts today are extraordinary. I don't think we'll top one of the ones that's coming up later in the show. Uh, And here to discuss everything with me on the Thursday Club, it's the regular crew, Peter Rutzler. Hello. Hey, Sammy. How you doing? All good, thank you. And Jack Collins, how are you? Hello, listeners. I'm good, thank you. How are you? Yeah, not too bad. Not too bad. Fulham top of the league. All our rivals dropping points. It certainly could be a lot worse. Uh, Just before we get into today's show, just to say that if you want to subscribe to The Athletic and get all of Peter's latest analysis, including a look at Nico Williams as he got his second assist in two, you can subscribe right now and get 33% off the regular subscription by going to theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. And Peter, we'll start by having a look back on Saturday's win at at Hull. Uh, a trip I thoroughly enjoyed. Cold, wet, miserable, rubbish pitch, rubbish game as a neutral. But ultimately, one moment of quality, great cross, great header was the difference. And it was going to take something special because it really was just an abject match that needed something to light it up. Unfortunately, our man Mitro bailed us out again. Yeah, a bit of a, uh, a naff one in terms of uh, conditions and, and the like. And even really the game itself in terms of the quality. But um, yeah, one of those, you've got to get over the line. It was quite similar to, I think, I think as, as you guys would have went to the Peterborough game, seemed like it was on the same sort of lines. Um, just one of those, you've, you've got to get the result, go get the points. And it just needed one, one moment of quality to, to, to make the difference. And, and we got that in, in, in Nico Williams with his fantastic cross and, and Mitrovic with, with the header. It was quite entertaining watching everything going on on the sidelines. I mean, Mitrovic was serenaded for most of the game. I think from, from that side of it, it was quite an entertain, quite entertaining viewing. But um, now in terms of the spectacle, obviously the pitch just seemed to get bogged down quite heavily. And you can see the fact that, you know, he's got obviously there's a rugby league uh, team that play there as well. Hull's a RFC, I think is what they're called. It's Hull KR, but uh, J- it's, Jack not Kelly KR. Tried- it's, it's not KR. Oh, no, sorry, sorry, it's Hull, it's Hull FC. Hull FC. Sorry, yeah, yeah. yeah. Don't get but, them confused. Sorry, Jack Kelly tried to blame this. I've got that confused because Jack Kelly tried to blame this on Hull KR at the weekend. I'm <laughs> not sure that Hull FC have played a game yet. 
no, they in the Super they League. So we can't blame the we can't blame the rugby. Like, I, I I appreciate the sentiment, but we definitely can't blame the rugby on this one. Then why was the pitch like it was? Maybe they did it on purpose. My dad wondered this. Like, did I mean you were there before the game? Did, were they watering the pitch? Didn't I don't remember paying attention to that. I just tried to keep myself warm for as long as possible. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, to be fair, I, I had like um, one, the, the, it was weird at the stadium, the concourse was colder than the stands, there was this like whipping wind going around it, it was just like, it was nowhere that was warm, the toilets were probably about as warm as you got, but there's only so long you want to stay in there for. What I would say though, I mean, if the pitch has been used like for multiple purpose, then it's going to feel the wear and tear over time, though, isn't it? I mean, it's going to feel, feel, the, feel the pain of that a little bit. Yeah, we got a tweet from Bronco Bob, um, to clarify that uh, Hull FC haven't played a game there yet, so we can hardly blame the Rugby League, which is a fair point. But yeah, it was still very, very naff. Um, Jack, you'll have enjoyed that on the train home from uh, Hull, I, I found uh, a, a Peter Rutzler uh, hidden in the corner of like the loudest coach. <laughs> I had no idea he was there. And then someone said to me, he's like, Peter's in the corner. I was like, oh, is he? I had no idea. So I went over to him at the end <laughs> to find. He'd written his whole like match reaction piece um, in amongst a very loud Fulham train. I think it was Peter and then one random couple who were the only non-Fulham chanting fans on the, on the whole carriage you missed me with the cans then earlier on then sammy uh, had a few cans before sunk them quickly and then got on with the writing you just missed it you just saw me just working away in the corner cans first <laughs> i didn't exactly see you with your arms aloft though <laughs> no <laughs> singing harry wilson mitrovich and knee skins at the top of your lungs i heard there's a nico williams song um from from sources kicking around uh, which is nice um, yeah i think it's to oh baby do you know what it's worth yeah, that well, one. at least it's not another one for a right back to the tune of uh, there's a star man flying down the right. So yeah. um, I, there's only so many times you can use that. I was thinking about this at the Millwall game when they were singing the the old uh, the old Scott Malone that then became Ryan Fredericks that then became Joe Bryan's song. Um, and I was wondering if Scott Malone was somewhere in the stands wondering if they were serenading him. Um, <laughs> but uh, yeah, it was. Uh, we, we do have to get better at that, I think. We, just, we can't just keep repurposing songs for, the, for new players. Uh, but I hear there's a Nico Williams one, which I'm pleased with. Yeah, I, it wasn't in our carriage, actually, the Nico Williams one, but uh, someone was telling me about it at the pub beforehand, which was uh, very enjoyable. I mean, Jack, one of those wins on Saturday that felt all the more important for what's happened in the league below us. And last night, QPR lost to Millwall. Yeah. Another set of drop points for Rangers. Blackburn also dropped points to West Brom. I mean, I don't feel like Fulham's points total is that remarkable given previous seasons at the top of the league, but the way that third and fourth just don't want to pick up any points is just really making me feel like, not that I don't know how we're not going to do this, but I'm just starting to look at the table and think like something incredible here has to happen for Fulham not to get top two. Yeah, and, you know, unprecedented things happen in football, but it, it looks incredibly unlikely at this point from where we're sitting um, that it's not gonna it's not gonna be an automatic promotion for Fulham. Now, obviously, I might sit here and eat those words in in three months' time, but I don't think I'm going to be. Um, you know, ultimately, I think there's this kind of idea that the league is lacking 
depth or quality this year. And I actually would disagree with that. I just feel like there's not too much between about 10 teams. Um, and I actually think that's pretty reasonable for the championship. We often have something like this. I think what happens is often there's a team that streaks away in third, which makes it feel like more the, more of a title race or, or at least more than an automatic promotion race down to the wire, as opposed to a team that streaks away in first. Um, and perhaps that's what people are, are looking at to say that the quality is lower. But I actually think this bunch up of teams below us, it just happens to, you know, it just happens to be first and, and second is slightly away from it rather than, you know, first, second and third. I think there's often a sort of battle between fourth and ninth for those kind of final playoff spots. And I was thinking about this the other day and I was trying to work out how you could put bet on it um, to to put on something that was because I think the final four in the playoffs at this point are going to be QPR, Middlesbrough, Nottingham Forest and Sheffield United. And you know, a, a couple of weeks ago, that looked incredibly improbable with just Sheffield United had so many games in hand. Now it looks perfectly reasonable as a suggestion. Um, but the idea that Blackburn were going to fall out of these spots seemed like a, a kind of madness uh, a few weeks ago. And yet here we are. Um, so, yeah, look, I, I don't think it's a it's a mix about the lack of quality, but it does feel like Fulham and now Bournemouth, who've got themselves a little bit of a barrier, um, will probably be those two teams. Now, I uh, I don't think it's it's locked in by any stretch of the imagination. I think Bournemouth have a collapse in them still. Um, and I don't believe, you know, quite there yet with this squad that they can do it. But they've seen two late, late winners of late. Um, and that's important for morale. It's massive for in terms of just turning things around for, you know, how you feel about the club and especially after a string of bad results. Um, so I do think it looks increasingly like this top two is going to be the top two at the end of the season. I think also, and I was saying this to Peter beforehand, the teams that I would back to challenge us all just had dreadful starts to the season. I think Forrest are a really, really strong team under Steve Cooper. I think Middlesbrough under Chris Wilder uh, are a real force. And particularly at home, I feel that they're almost unbeatable. I could see us going there in April and getting beaten just the way that they're turning over teams at the Riverside. And then, yeah, Sheffield United seem to be a force. I still think under the bedrock of Slavisa Jukanovic, but hard to argue that either way and just the teams that actually are closest to us really aren't mounting much of a challenge at the moment Peter and and this is just a fantastic thing for Fulham and there is so much conversation at the moment about where Fulham are going to clinch promotion and I'm just scared by the whole thing but it is a reasonable thing to start asking. I think so I, I think when you look at the the points per game and you start assessing you know the fixtures that are coming up and who's playing who and and that gap that's now emerged between the top two and, and the playoffs, I mean, it's not unreasonable to start thinking that way, obviously. You know, things happen, crazy, crazy things do occur. And, you know, I think the, the reference point, I think, if, if we're trying to keep our feet on the ground a bit, would be, the, would be December and that, that patch of form, which, you know, obviously there was illness in the camp and, and whatever else. So that's probably where you'd go to to, to, to keep things on the straight and narrow. But I think when you actually assess it and, and the way the league's played out... I, I slightly disagree with Jack. I, I do think it's a weaker division um, for, compared to those teams um, that have gone down. I know West Brom have struggled and Sheffield United had a poor start, but that's just more to do with their sort of planning, I suppose. And you look at the teams at the bottom in particular, and there are some really poor teams down there. And it's, I know that there'll be games where they're tight. I know Hull, for instance, who, who Fulham played the weekend, are, are down there around that, that sort of zone. And, and they will look pretty good, but... This, 
You look so, at the bottom, Peter, and it's it's not pretty reading for us. We struggled past Peterborough. We drew nil nil with Derby County. We lost to Reading. We struggled past the hole. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah, as you say, there are some poor teams, but we don't seem to have done particularly well. Against yeah, yeah, no, very true, very true. But I, I just I just think overall, and I I think you made a quite a good point um, about how normally the teams in third would be closer to, to the promotion places. I just had a quick through look through the last five years. Generally, there's about four or five teams within ten points of top spot um and at the moment you know it's Fulham and then there's that big gap and that's where the the gap has emerged and that's that's benefiting Fulham whose points total isn't you know it's not out the ordinary like it's not yeah, it's, it's not, not so that remarkable it's not extreme I mean the goals are of course and, and the goal difference is for sure but um in terms of that 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 difference that that's where the, the game's been won but you're right I mean that the teams that are competitive are Sheffield United are Middlesbrough are Forest and and, and based on their form, you'd expect them to, to push into the playoffs. And may, maybe it'd be a more interesting conclusion for a neutral if they were tighter. But from a Fulham point of view, it's it's pretty good. And yeah, I would be looking at the, the fixtures and assessing whether it's doable to secure promotion at Loftus Road at the beginning of April. The seeds. It would be the first trophy. Oh, no, it's not a trophy, is it? I was going to say the first trophy lifted at Loftus Road since we won the Intertoto there in 2003. <laughs> Oh God, I can't even imagine this chaos of trying to get a ticket for that if that was the uh, the game it happened. Uh, while we're here, it's a perfect time to bring up an email that we got. Uh, interesting to say that this was on Tuesday, so before uh, QPR dropped points to Millwall. And it's from Tim Lundy. It says, enjoying the podcast and articles, keep it up. I've just realised that if we extend our lead over Blackburn and QPR by even one point this Saturday, then I think we are 99.9% certain of promotion. As it stands, even if they average two points per game over their remaining games... That is the they, key, two points a game. Tim, they, would Tim finish, <laughs> they would finish on 82 and 84 points respectively. To achieve that, they would have to significantly up their points per game from 1.69 and 1.75. For context, two points per game for QPR would be the equivalent of eight wins and eight draws. Possible, but unlikely. Even in that unlikely scenario, it would require Fulham to drop from the current 2.13 points per game to fewer than 1.25, which is the equivalent of five wins, five draws and six losses. That would put us on 84 points, but our guaranteed better goal difference mean we'd still come out on top or they would have to better our goal difference by at least two goals per game for the rest of the season, which isn't going to happen. So he says, bar some radical and unprecedented changes in form for both ourselves and our rivals i think we could effectively seal promotion this weekend a bold <laughs> statement from tim jack it's a bold move cotton let's <laughs> see if it pays off for him yeah um i don't actually necessarily disagree I, but i just i, I kind of uh, it's it's a strange one, isn't it? I just there, there's that element always where I'm just like keep it in your own hands, right? Just keep <laughs> things, keep winning, keep at two points per game, and Fulham get promoted. Fulham get promoted. In fact, keep at two points a game, and Fulham win the league by I think about six eight points. Um, that's that's what my take on the way on this is. Look, obviously we've spoke about this before. This is the end, or we're we're coming up to the end of what was uh, a very relatively pleasant fixture list for Fulham um, and we're about to get into a, a trickier stickier set of games um, which is going to be which could make all the difference I mean look we could we could go on a losing run we could go on a non-winning run like we did in December I think it's probably slightly unlikely still at this point um, but ultimately we you have to consider that's a possibility if Fulham keep our own points ter- points totals up above two per game 
we will win this league at Cancer. Definitely. I mean, if they do it in March, I mean, it's the away games are tricky, I think. And there's a lot of them as well. They're not short distance. Cardiff, yeah, it's a potential Swansea, five in a row, Westbrook. right? Uh, yes, although I think Forest interrupt it. Uh, but Forest can get to the quarterfinals so cool. of the cup, yeah, can't yeah, they? Yeah, if Forest oh, win yes. their cup sem- air quarter. You'd love to see it all on the trains. But yeah, I mean, those... <laughs> Those um those away games aren't easy, and I think if, if Fulham were to drop points, it, it would come in a run like that. I think Fulham's less lesser performances have generally tended to be on the road as well. So, um, unlike us, that we're normally better away from him. So um, yeah, it, interesting one to watch. But I mean, if he says ninety nine percent, I mean five thirty eight is saying ninety nine percent already. So um, for promotion, but no. Um, back to the game on Saturday, Peter. Uh, your article was centred on Nico Williams. Um, we discussed him in Sunday's podcast, but I was just interested to get your thoughts on Nico and just the right back situation in general. We saw Marlon Fossey score an absolute belter um, for Bolton against Oxford. All Bolton fans are absolutely obsessed with him. Um, they have quite a funny song for Marlon Fossey. Have you heard it? I haven't. Go and sing it. Oh, Marlon Fossey, you are the love of my life. Oh, Marlon Fossey, I'll let you shag my wife. Oh, Marlon Fossey, I want curly hair too. It's the Colacini song. Yeah, I enjoy it though. It's, um, yeah, good, good stuff. Um, But just generally, Fulham have a plethora of right-back options at the moment. Kenny Tete injured, Nika Williams impressing, Marlon Fossey doing incredible things at Bolton. It's a one for the summer, but there's a bit of a dilemma here. What do Fulham do going forward? Because there's three potential options here. That's without us signing anyone else. I think for anyone who's watched the twenty one, uh, the twenty three, sorry, and and seen um, Marlon Fossey play, I think there would have been that sense of you know he should really be in that sort of area. You know, why is he not necessarily in the picture so much? And I think. Considering the injury problems he had, obviously he went to Shrewsbury and got a serious injury. And I think there was always that sense of trying to get him games. And he seems to have he's landed in a great place at Bolton. Um, and his form so far has been fantastic. He's, the fans have massively taken to him. Um, I think he's, he's I, there was a, a lovely thing on social media that he did as well. Where he re- reached out to a fan who was having a difficult time. And that sort of went viral as well as the fans shared it. And, you know, he's, he's suffered in superbly there. But... I think you're right. I mean, there is a, there's definitely a question there. I think obviously Nico Williams has come in, he's doing very well. I, I still think, as we've touched on before um, and mentioned in the piece as well, I think defensively, I, I still think he needs time and there's still some question marks there for me. I think Keen Lewis Potter gave him quite a, quite a difficult game um, in moments on Saturday. Uh, but clearly going forward, he's fantastic in terms of what he can bring, the positions he takes up, his movement. What I liked for the, for the goal was the way he controlled the ball. I mean, he takes a touch and then puts it out of his feet. He knew the space he had. He knew the time that he could just do that, wait and watch and then strike the ball when he wanted to hit it straight onto Mitrovic's head in, in time with his his run. So he's a clever attacking player. And, you know, with time, you can only imagine that he's he's going to improve. Um, but then we forget that Kenny Tete is a very good all-rounder. You know, any one of Kenny Tete's best strengths is his one-on-one defending. Um, it's just these injuries that, that keep, seem to pop it, keep, keep seem to pop up. and. I guess that's why you're probably looking at an alternative at, at right back. And if, if Marlon Fossey keeps doing as well as he's done, I mean, he'll, he'll surely be in the question. You know, he's he's been training with the first team before he went on loan, so it's not like he's un, unfamiliar to, to Marco Silva. But then it's the it's the Premier League question, and you know, there's um there's, 
it's a difficult one. Um, but you know, in terms of options, I think Fulham are in a good place, and uh, this this will apply, I think, across across the team. Really, um, you could say centre half certainly will be a position that we looked at. I think, um, and then you know the wide areas maybe uh, as much as you know they've been in fantastic form. Is there a need to improve? There's a really good piece uh, out today by Stu James um, on that gap between the Premier League and and the second tier, um, and how it's sort of evolved and changed, and how the points tally to stay up is is dropping. But that that <laughs> is actually a reflection of the quality of those mid ranking teams and how hard it is to to get a grip um, in the top flight. And that's what Fulham are going to have to face. Um, you know, it's how do you get the team to a point where yes they're doing well in the, the championship but how does that correlate in the top flight and and that's why probably when we saw them do well at City it was that it was encouraging because it showed that at least in terms of philosophy and style of play it can work um, but there are lots of other rungs and just bringing it back to right back that that will be the question that will be applied to it in, in that position and uh, and all the other ones as well. Yeah, I mean, this is the thing and and Peter puts it spot on there is is that jump up and you know also he's he's dropped down a level at this point, right, to, to League One. So, you know, you'd question, I suppose, the next thing would be, okay, if it's, you know, if this goes to plan and everything's doing fine, do you then move it to the championship next year or do you make that leap from League One to what we hope will be the Premier League? It seems like it seems like a big step. Um, that said, it's obviously quite a tricky one unless you, in terms of long-term plans, because... Obviously, I think there'll be there'll be the question asked at the very least if Fulham can acquire Nico Williams. I don't think it will be anything that's easy to do, um, but I would imagine the question will be asked, um, especially if Fabio does end up going the other way. Um, so, so you know, there's there's all of these kind of things going on in that in that regard, and and you have to kind of question it, but. If if you do that, then you basically do block the path, don't you? If you buy another right back, especially another young right back, you fully do shut that path down. Um, and so, therefore, at that point, you have to think what's best for a player's career. Do you move them on? Do they? Do you let them go? And and, and a whole host of new questions get asked. So, yeah, a tricky one. Um, obviously, I just think it's one to keep an eye on to the end of the season. I'm hoping to speak to some uh, Bolton bloggers and, and, and vloggers soon to, uh, to do a little article on, on Fossey and, and how he's got on. So, um, we, we've had a, we'll see what, what they've come up with, but I think it's worth just kind of holding fire on this to the end of the season to really see where, where he's getting to. And, uh, just before we finish part one, I wanted to speak about something brand new that we're doing on Fulhamish. I briefly mentioned it on the podcast on Sunday that something was coming. And as of today, Thursday, the 17th of February, we have launched something brand new called the Fulhamish community. And we have wanted to do something like this pretty much since we started Fulhamish, a place where people that listen to the podcast, read our articles, watch our videos, can interact with each other, interact with us, we can interact with them. And we tried a few things over the years. They've not quite been as user-friendly as we'd have liked, but there is a real community of Fulham fans out there. We meet so many of you on a regular basis. So many of you message us. All of the emails that we get are so incredible. There are Fulham fans from across the world that listen to the podcast, and consume our content. And we're so eternally grateful for that. And look, of course there is Twitter and Instagram and WhatsApp, but for me, all of those are quite public experiences. They don't give that community-like feel of what we're building here. So to explain, the Fulhamish community is built on the Telegram app, which is very similar to WhatsApp, but it has some subtle differences and allows us to build a proper automatic community experience. It uses a service called Leveler, and it's a platform that has 
four or five different Fulham group chats. We're going to be talking all things Fulham, ticket, away days, transfers, general gossip, breaking news. We're also going to organise meetups, offer a merch discount, and it's just going to be such a good place for you to stay connected to the club and with each other. And we get messages all the time from Fulham fans who say, oh, we don't know many Fulham fans in the town that I live in. If that is you, this will be a great safe place to feel part of a wider community. You might even meet some new faces or have some new people to go to games with. Now, in the future, full disclosure, this will be a monetized thing. It's going to cost $4.99 a month. It's going to be a way of supporting what we do. We're going to be turning off our existing Kofi page. So this will be the only method of supporting Fulhamish should you wish to. However, until the end of March, you can get free access to the Fulhamish community until the end of the season. We won't take any debit or credit card details now. So it is very much a try before you buy. Come join the Fulhamish community. If after the season ends, you want to stay, you want to support us, you can, we'll love you. If not, we totally understand you can leave. There's not going to be an awkward group chat behind your back. The system is fully automatic. So you can cancel any time and the software will take you out of the Telegram group chat. And that is completely your choice. And look, it's always awkward in this situation, us asking for money, particularly at the current time. And there are loads of different ways of funding content, but we believe we've always believed in trying to keep as much Fulhamish content off a paywall. So we've never put any podcasts, videos, articles behind a paywall. And by doing this, we can keep that up. Fulhamish is pretty much now a full-time operation between two or three of us. And although it started as a labor of love, it still is very much a labor of love. We want to create something that's sustainable, dependable into the future for years and years to come. We never miss podcasts. We always are writing articles. We're always making videos. And we think by creating the Fulhamish community, we can hopefully do that for years to come. Now, if joining a group chat, a community, whatever, doesn't really appeal, and I can understand that, you can still support us via the Level app. You can still give the money every month should you wish to continue funding our content and not join the group chat. But I would strongly advise giving the group chat a try and seeing if it's something that you like, because I think it's going to be a really, really fun place uh, to keep up with everything Fulham. Anyway, if you would like to sign up, there is a link in the description of this podcast. There's also a link on our website, our Twitter page, our Instagram page. So you won't have to go far to find the link. And yeah, as I said, for the next two weeks, sign up and it will be completely free until the end of the season with no credit or debt debit card details taken. Thank you for indulging. After the break, we're going to look ahead to Huddersfield on Saturday. Part two of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Peter Rutzler. Hello. And Jack Collins. Hello, listeners. Huddersfield on Saturday, whose unbeaten run has crept up on me. Um, I, I had no idea until maybe only a couple of games ago that Huddersfield, I knew they were doing well in the league. I just didn't realise that the unbeaten run um, was doing so well. Much longer than Fulham's 12 matches unbeaten in the league. Uh, it's even longer if you include their FA Cup run, where they got uh, a good win at Burnley, um, Premier League Burnley, and then uh, a pretty standard win in a Yorkshire derby against Barnsley. And um, Peter, is it bad that after the 5-1 on the second game of the season, I fully just parked Huddersfield as relegation contenders? <laughs> Some of the defending that day from Huddersfield was woeful. Um, 
and, and you know, they were backed by a lot of people to not do that well this season. Um, Corbrand's done a fantastic job there to get them where they are. Yeah, no credit where it's due. I mean, that was the the one issue that sort of came from that game, wasn't it? It was just how defensively open they seemed to be. Um, you know, and, and the, the tone, I think, um, amongst those those guys covering Huddersfield was was pretty negative, was pretty downbeat. Um, understandably, it was a 5-1 defeat, but it was more the nature of that. And um, But they've, they've responded in a really good way. And it is their defensive form as well, which has been pretty impressive. I mean, during this... Mental. During this unbeaten run, it's 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 you know, they've, they've been keeping plenty of nil nils, plenty of shutouts, but thirty four goals conceded all season is right up there in terms of teams in the league doing well. And if you think that's if you of course include the five they conceded to Fulham, it was a weird game that one, wasn't it? Um, I, I never never really felt like a five one, particularly in the way that Huddersfield started, um, but then it just they became quite untidy and a bit just you know uh, disorganized and. Um, Clearly, they've, they've, they've got a grip on those issues. I think this is one of their best unbeaten runs in the second division for about 60 years or something at the moment. It's it's quite impressive. Um, the draws were, the, the results have been against Derby, Preston, Sheffield United, Stoke. That's just the recent the recent run. And, you know, they, they, those are difficult games. Um, we've got a good team, a hardworking team. Um, I think Lewis O'Brien's impressed quite a bit in the middle as well. So, um, it, yeah, I think there's one of those fixtures that you look at and you just think, oh, this is going to be pretty straightforward when in reality it's, it's probably not going to be um i imagine they'll they'll form a stern test and again with that back three which which has caused issues yeah four clean sheets in a row for huddersfield if you include the cup win uh, against barnsley uh, two of those have been nil nil all i think about huddersfield is always the fact that they draw games nil nil mostly because they somehow won the playoffs by not scoring or conceding a goal um, and had a negative goal difference. I always just, this is the way that Huddersfield just traditionally play as far as I'm concerned in my uneducated Terriers um, textbook. Um, But Jack, I think this might be one of those games where Fulham can edge out an early lead. We might be okay, but I'd be a bit nervous if this was nil nil at half time because Huddersfield seemed to have an ability to shut teams out and nick goals. Yeah, absolutely. And and look, it's it's not necessarily been all kind of clean shots as well. There's that chaotic game that I watched against Reading where they won 4-3, where there were two goals in the first five minutes. I think there was five goals in the first 25 minutes. And it was 1-0, one 1-all, one 2-1 Huddersfield, 2-all, 3-2 Huddersfield, 3-all. Four three, so they have shown that they can come from behind. They have shown that they have, you know, the the firepower to make things work. And that Danny Ward scored a hat trick. That I remember Danny Ward being a you know a bit part player for Cardiff, and I do remember him scoring against us in a horrible game at the Cottage a couple of years ago. But Danny Ward has always been that kind of bit part player. But look. I think what's really impressive about uh, what Corbyn's done at, at Huddersfield is the way that he adapts. Um, now, I think when he went in, everyone was kind of expecting them to be a kind of Leeds light, considering where he'd come from and the you know the fact that he'd stewarded under Bielsa as his, as his assistant manager. Um, and, and there are elements of that, as, as Peter mentioned. Lewis O'Brien's been a phenomenon, I think, in the middle there. And John Russell in there as well, who was quite highly rated through the, through the Chelsea ranks. Um, and when they play together in a midfield three, um, it has has been that kind of high intensity don't let you have a second breathing um that you kind of expect from a Bielsa 
disciple. Um, but we've also seen them be a little bit more pragmatic, which is something that perhaps we haven't seen um, from Bielsa's leads. As, as you see, you know, every time they seem to go to Man United, they lose 5-0. Um, and no one loses 5-0 to Man United these days. Um, <laughs> but, you know, you, you look at them and you look at that game against Preston and suddenly Huddersfield were playing five at the back. It was a little bit, you know, Sorba Thomas is, is so good that he can play kind of right wing back and right wing at the same time, which does mean that they have a little bit more flexibility in those kind of spots. Um, but what we've seen with them is that ability to change it up, to mix it up, depending on who they're playing. You'd imagine that that five at the back is something that we see here against Fulham, given that we are the league's top scorers, given that we are um, a team in form and a team who are, are playing well. Uh, but ultimately, we're, we're looking at this as, as, as a really tricky game. And perhaps our you know first real tricky test since maybe, well, definitely since Stoke, but probably even before that. You know, we're, we're looking yeah. at this as probably maybe the toughest game in 2022 um you know we've had so far and and therefore it's it's quite an important one for Fulham and an important test that we have to pass as we say it gets tricky now right it gets it gets into this kind of mix of of difficult teams that we're playing of teams in the top 7 8 um who are either on good runs or have had good runs across the course of this season um which means that suddenly Fulham are going to have to up that gear again because they have felt times recently i mean you can blame the pitch as much as we want against Hull but Fulham weren't great we weren't great against Millwall you know, a couple, you know, a couple of days before that. Uh, what we're looking at there is a team that are not quite completely at the races. Yes, we've won both games, but they've both been against relatively poor opposition. Now, can we step this back up when we're playing a better team? And the, the other question with that is, will playing a better team suit us? Um, is there a kind of sense that, yes, if Huddersfield press us like maniacs, can we play through that press? Can we open up, you know, opportunities if their right wing back goes marauding down the flank, as Robert Thomas is known to do? Um, so so there are those questions as well. But I'm excited for this one because it's Fulham's first big test. And I hope it's one that we're going to look at and be like, yeah, that's where we showed that we weren't just flat track bullies. We were able to mix it and, and, and to deal out kind of death and destruction to the, you know, the teams who are playing well the teams who are on unbeaten runs the teams who have stern defenses this is where Fulham are, are tested yeah that's, that's I think that's why I'm extra excited for Saturday as well I think as you say in 2022 okay the Stoke game was big I thought that was a difficult game but this is a di more difficult game than Stoke I feel like Stoke have actually been pretty patchy um of late you know they started well but been patchy recently yeah this is this is definitely a, a stern test for us with that in mind Peter um Marco's not been changing the lineup too much. He seems to be quite happy with this Kearney Chalobah pivot in, in midfield. But of course, he's got Seri back now. Harrison Reed's always been there. I just wonder if Marco might be tempted to play around with the team a little bit, or could it be more likely that we see the same team for Huddersfield, but then he might change things for Peterborough, give a few people some minutes against a inferior opposition, which is obviously only a few days after the Huddersfield game. Yeah, that's the, sort of the big talking point, I suppose, with rotation is about midfield, isn't it? Because there are some good options available. I mean, we haven't seen Jean-Michel Serri since he's come back from the African Cup of Nations. And I suppose it's 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 a good thing in a way that he's been able to take that pause, almost have a have a break after the tournament and the stresses that, that come with it because of the form of Nathaniel Chalaber and uh, Anton Kearney and Fabio Carvalho. I think Kearney and Carvalho are a really good double act, I think, they are part of the reason we saw those high score lines earlier, earlier in January. Um, but then, you know, these are these are different challenges, as Jack says. They're going to it's going to be a high octane midfield this weekend. It's going to be a, t a team that will want to bite, um, and you're probably going to need to give some back. 
I think Chalaba's done well since he's come in. I think this is the first time he's he's got himself into a position where he can hold his place in the team um, since he's signed. Um, we start to see glimpses of, of what he can do in terms of re- regaining possession, um, retaining it pretty well as well. Um, some really good options, though, with, with Harrison Reed, as you say. And I, I feel like with Hull, because of how that game panned out and how the pitch looked like it was going to swallow the ball by full time, that maybe that wasn't the one for, for TC. That might have been a Harrison Reed s game and we did we did see him later um but it just depends really i guess it just depends on whether whether silver wants to compromise on on sort of long-standing position that if you're playing well and the team's winning um you know you, you keep you your shirt place yeah, yeah. Um, it's interesting because obviously smallwood and slater were very bitey in terms very, of their yeah. whole midfield and they were very very uh, i thought they played really well both of them um but it was a little bit nippy in the middle there i, I wonder if fulham think on a better surface tc plays his way through them uh, and i don't disagree with that i think that probably he does and we saw it at stoke where they were trying to get near him and couldn't in the first half and it was it was a balletic display um f- from tom kearney from skipper in the middle i wonder if they think that something similar could see us work our way through this huddersfield press um and and i think maybe you're right beer in that perhaps the, the the whole game once the pitch once you saw the pitch once you saw the pitch starting to cut up like that it might not be in one for a, a player who's so talented on the ball mm. um but but i think maybe this one might be yeah, I, I'm just fascinated to see where these players come back in. But maybe it's it's weeks like this, isn't it? Where you've got short turnarounds, midweek matches. There's more midweek matches coming up in the next few weeks. So I'm sure we will see that squad rotation. But for me, I just don't expect to see any changes at the moment because Silver does just seem to like the lineup as it is. I'm sure he'll make a few changes later on, particularly if, if Fulham are comfortable in this match, um, which is definitely not a given, by the way, because I think this is going to be our toughest game in a while. But we will see what happens um just a couple of words on Mitrovic um Peter before we get into the questions section um because you have a potential interview lined up uh later this week um Ooh. I want Jack Collins Ooh. to see and guess who it's with so it's related to Alexander Mitrovic with a top class striker Oh, I, is, I thought you were going to say you had an interview with Alexander Mitrovic. I was like, that's niche. Um, fun. No, oh, no, it's no, with no, a top no, class striker been. related to Alexander Mitrovic. Is it a currently playing striker? Oh, no. 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 So it's we're, we're talking a, t- a top class striker who's related to Alexander Mitrovic. Is it with Alan Shearer? No, but that would be good. That would be he, is, he obviously does work for the athletic. He's just hanging That's, around. The that was my he? first. Um, that was my first thought. Um, okay, a striker related to Alexander Mitrovic. Related to what Alexander Mitrovic could achieve this season? Oh, oh, okay. It's your man from uh, who scored the the forty two goals. It is indeed um, Guy Whittingham. There you go. There you go. That's cool. Well done. That's um. I'm excited to read this, Peter. Um, that's quite a, it's a really interesting coup, I think. I'm interested to know whether Guy is happy or not that his, what I imagine he thought <laughs> a record that was under lock and key is under threat, whether he's uh, happy to see someone emulating those heights or um, it is a bit like, oi, uh, I've got this record, bugger off. And yeah, and, and also whether he's, he's happy about Ivan Tony getting all the plaudits for scoring 31 goals in a 46-game season. Obviously, it's uh, he's been forgotten since the rebranding of the championship and he's 42, to an extent, but not, not in Fulham circles. So, Portsmouth he'll, here. He'll be course. glad to know that he's, he's loved at Fulham. Yes. 
Admired. He's a man on everyone's lips at Fulham. Well, yeah, um, that will be out later this week in The Athletic. And as I mentioned, if you want to sign up to The Athletic, you can at theathletic.com forward slash Fulham pod. All right, we'll leave it there. And after the break, we'll get into your questions. Part three of the Fulhamish podcast. Sammy James here with Peter Rutzler and Jack Collins. This will catch on in a second. But first of all, uh, we have some normal questions to get into beforehand. Sean Branny on the Mitrovic topic is saying, question for Thursday. I saw a tweet that Mitro has scored against 17 out of the 23 championship clubs this season. Is it possible for him to score against all 23? And has it been done before? He then says, PS, if he does manage it, I think he needs to round it off with an OG at the end of the season. Um, Jack, have we got any intel as to whether Mitro can score against every club? Thinking about it, it feels possible. So so six left, right? And yeah. six, as far as I'm concerned, the six are Middlesbrough, Coventry, Derby County, where he didn't play, to be fair, um, yeah. Preston North End, Bournemouth, and Sheffield United. So all um, six are coming up. Do I think he's going to score in all six of those games? No, no, <laughs> no, I don't. Um, that said, doubting, doubt Alexander Mitrovic at your peril, right? Like everyone just keeps doing this and then he just scores anyway. Um, so, so there is that element of it. I, I have a funny feeling that one of Sheffield United or Borough will keep us out. Um, mm. so that's my, that's my only take on it. I, I think he might get, tw- I think he'll get 20 plus a hundred percent. Um, but I don't know if he'll get all 23. So, I mean, look, don't, I, again, I'm not doubting him. The man is an absolute machine. Um, and he, he just continues to, to defy what we thought was possible. And, and so it is incredibly possible. Um, but it would be, I think it's going to involve two or three really good performances against two or three really good sides here. Um, and, and, you know, that's, it's not, it's not impossible by any stretch of imagination, but I think there are also those games where things just don't fall for you. And perhaps that's the, the, the annoying bit about this. I think if there's one or two teams that he doesn't score against the season, you know how like in international football, they give like a pendant flag to the opposition. Like maybe we could do that for the sides that kept out Alexander Mitrovic or like yeah, a nice. plaque, you know, that, 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 set, that commemorates that they managed to ke- uh, keep clean sheets against Alexander Mitrovic in the historic 21-22 season. And um, this one's to you, Peter, on Mitrovic. Carl Kent asks, do you think Mitro knows about the 42 goal scoring record in the second tier now that he's already already caught Tony's championship record. He feels like a man that knows what he needs to achieve to, for, for breaking history. But do, do footballers really care? They'll say they don't to uh, Sky Sports after a match and that it's all about the team and the next match is the most important. But I feel like Mitrovic cares. Well, it depends on the record, doesn't it? Because sometimes you get an interview and it's like, did you know that you scored in five of your last six games against Huddersfield Town? And I'm just, well, they're probably not going to know that. But yeah. um in terms of this one, yeah, I bet he does. He's got. I mean, the amount of talk around. Yeah, no, I'm. I'm quite. I yeah. I think. I think he does. I think he does know that. And when 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 these kinds of records are on the line, you know, there's there are so many other variables that come into it as well. You know, obviously people are talking about it. I'm sure that there could even be. There may even be a financial incentive in some cases. I don't know if it will be in this case to get to Guy Whittingham's 42, for instance. But um, <laughs> hell of a clause. Hell of yeah. a clause. Put in a contract. <laughs> Very specific clause. <laughs> Um, but at the same time, you know, that yeah, I have, for a goal scorer, I know he keeps saying in interviews, oh, it's all, you know, 
I just want to score as many as I can. It's like, yeah, they know that they know that it's the same with managers and unbeaten records and points totals and goals. And a silver keeps getting asked about it. And then he'll just say nothing. But yeah, he's going to know. He knows. He knows. It looks good on the CV. That would look very good on that. I'm, I'm, I'm imagining now Alexander Mitrovic handing his CV to another club and it's just got like personal achievements at the top, his career, what GCSEs he got. I don't want to imagine Alexander Mitrovic giving a CV to any other club. Thank you very much. <laughs> no. I'm just imagining the whole process of a footballer handing in a CV though, as if it ever needs to ever needs to happen. Um, John Witham asks Peter, he says, hi guys, with Tate Ashby Hammond coming up big for Boreham Wood, I wondered what other under 23s or under 18s are near breaking into the first team. Names like Hilton, O'Neill, Bowie and Larkesh regularly pop up in match reports, but usually aren't mentioned in the first team conversation. What's the likelihood of us seeing them anytime soon? Uh, thank you for all the great work on the podcast been listening for years and it's a great connection to the club that's from john witham who said he's the only fulham supporter in oregon city nice there's a challenge open brackets impossible <laughs> fulham are massive in oregon city i think with promotion though obviously hopefully on the cards peter you might expect there to be a run of games at the end of the season fingers crossed where fulham might experiment a tad we tend to at the end of the seasons. We obviously did at the end of last season, once we were relegated with Fabio Carvalho, which of those names kind of, do you have the feeling might get an opportunity towards the end of the season? Yeah, it's a good question. It's difficult because it's hard to see the opportunities at the moment because of the the nature of the squad. I mean, we're talking about forwards and it's more likely to be a forward, you'd think, um, than anywhere else. I mean, if you take Ziad Larkesh's position, you've got Joe Bryan and Anthony Robinson who are, vying for minutes and if they're both fit I mean the, the likelihood is they'll, they'll both be wanting to play and, and even those that you think maybe go move on in the summer you give them minutes so that they have a bigger profile for other clubs to look at um, as well so it's with the nature of the squad as the way it is it's it's tricky but um, you wouldn't I want to say Sonny Hilton because yeah, it's sport. the one you wouldn't bet against isn't it it's the, because he's been so good for the, the 23s um, I mean, if there's anyone who's going to be in and around it with a with an outside hope of getting something, it would be, it would be him, you would think. Mm. Um, that said, despite this form, he hasn't really been in the picture yet. So what, does that suggest it may happen? It's, it's difficult. Kieran Bowie, I think, is a bit further down behind Jay Stansfield. Um, I think there's going to be minutes in that regard. It'll probably be Jay. Um, Ollie O'Neill's another interesting one. Contract's um, up in the summer, isn't it? His contract is up in the I'm summer. I'm not gonna, um, yeah, I don't know if we're going to be seeing any ever of Ollie O'Neill, sadly. It breaks my heart to say this, but I don't know if we're ever going to see Ollie O'Neill in a senior Fulham shirt. Um, he's too in demand, I think. Yeah, he's he, he's, he's, wanted, he's a wanted player. So um, that, that will obviously play a part as well. So, yeah, I, I, whether we see a new face, I'd be surprised, I think. Unless there's an injury crisis, unless something happens, then maybe, maybe you see a Lakesh come in or or something like that. But uh, grand scheme of things, I'd be surprised. Maybe Adrian Pajaziti. This is it, isn't it? Like we, we've seen a couple of players make League Cup appearances, the likes of Pajaziti, right? We've seen Stansfield get a couple of minutes. They're the players you think are first in the pecking order when when it comes to this because they haven't seen much in terms of minutes across the course of this season, and and therefore they're going to be looking at this, going, okay, well, they're obviously top dogs and if they get you know surpassed and I don't think it's going to happen but you know if, if you see it if Jay Stansfield just signed a contract you could you could very rarely see Kieran Bowie going okay 
we'll give him a couple of minutes instead, instead of Jay Sansel, who's just signed a new contract with the club and, you know, has, has arguably been further up the pecking order. It'd be a bit of a strange maneuver um, to work it out. Uh, yeah, I'd love to see Ollie O'Neill in here. But as we kind of saw with Matt O'Reilly, um, it's very difficult to get minutes in a, in a, in a midfield. Uh, in in this Fulham team because we're so stacked in that position, um, and it's an incredibly difficult position to jump up from from youth football to to senior football. Yeah, it can be done, and we're seeing the, that if you reap the rewards with it with O'Reilly at the at the moment, right? In terms of what he's doing at Celtic, he's definitely was ready, but ultimately it's it, it's a very difficult gamble to make, and and I think especially given that O'Neill's contract is up in the summer. Um, unless we see a new deal signed, which looks increasingly unlikely, if I'm not mistaken, Peter, um, it, it does feel like this is, is that's one that we're just probably never going to see come to fruition. Yeah. Well, I'd love to see Sonny Hilton from a personal point of view. The man looks like an absolute baller. And I feel like there's opportunities that could be given to an attacking player, maybe like a right wing or attacking mid, maybe towards the, the very end of the season if there's opportunities. But who knows? Remains to be seen. And good question though, John. I think it's definitely one on a lot of people's minds as to who the next Carvalho might be. And and it's I'm sure we'll find out soon enough. But as I think we've always said, I think until Fulham get consistent in a league, whether that be the championship, hopefully not, or the Premier League, um, I don't think we're gonna I think it's gonna always be difficult for players to kind of integrate themselves in the team. Uh, final normal question is from Neil Webster from Australia says long time listener, first time emailer and all that. Love the show. It keeps me up to date with all things FFC from Sydney. I'm coming to the UK for work in a week or so's time. So naturally I have prioritized getting to the most Fulham games I can, which can only be too unfortunately. So I've got my tickets for Cardiff away and Blackburn at home. But the advice I need is although I've been to the cottage a few times since becoming a fan in 1997, the only away trip I've ever done was the Brentford game in the season we nearly went down, but I had to sit in the homestand and watch Jazz Richards's God awful display. Oh no, we don't talk about that day. That's like that the, that's the match we don't talk about. That was, a dark that was the day. Wor- that was the worst afternoon of my life. That was a dark, dark day. So my question is, what do I need to get the maximum FFC away day travel experience? Do I get the club coach and ensure I have some time to get to know fans, or I can spend the day with, or do I get the train and hope I find the right pub our fans will be in? He says I nearly fell off my chair when I saw the price of a train ticket on Dobbins away day plan compared to the club coach but this could literally be the only time I get to travel away with Fulham so even though there's the cost difference I want to get the best experience Uh, he looks forward to our response and maybe uh, singing along with some of our new chants from the Hammersmith end against Blackburn the week after Jack your advice for Neil his only ever potential away trip yeah if if you can get the train um, gotta get the train it's it's just a kind of more a complete experience i think um you'll be fine if you start you know you'll see people in shirts and whatever and you can generally just find out what kind of vague time people are, are looking at heading up that game in particular i think it's not going to be too there's not going to be too many trains to pick from um so i'd imagine most people will be on the whatever the cheapest option in terms of actually getting those things to go so um yeah look get the train if you can um and I would just, you know, it, it sounds really cliche and boring, but just chuck yourself in, right? Like, just be like, look, I'm here for this. I'm here for one time. 
if the first big group of people aren't aren't, aren't welcoming, the next one will be. Like, yeah. we're a we're a pretty um, we're a pretty open and and comfortable fan base. I feel like most people just be like, oh, this is quite fun. Go on then. Um, especially if you're like, I'm here from Sydney. So um, yeah, yeah, I'd um, I'd get yourself a couple of cans, get on the train if you can, and uh, and look for Peter writing an article in the corner. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, Peter will be on the train if uh, if little else fails. That's my advice as well. Look, the club coach is cool. I get why people get it. It is cheaper if you're doing a lot of away games, particularly. Um, and if you live near to Motspur Park, it's quite convenient. But I think if you're on your one ever potential away day, over, especially to Cardiff as well, which is quite an easy train. It is an expensive train, though. And the Western Line trains at the moment are ludicrous. But regardless of that, it's the one time you're doing it. I would be exactly the same as Jack. I would get on the train, get a four pack from the, uh, from the off license beforehand and just attach yourself to the nearest bunch of Fulham fans. You see, say you're over from Sydney and I'm, I'm pretty sure 99% of Fulham groups will take you under your wing for the day, show you a pub to go to, and you'll have a first class day, Neil. So, um, enjoy it. And, uh, even if you see any of us around either the Cardiff or Blackburn games, we'd love to get a pint with you, Neil. Thank you for getting in touch. All right. Time for this will catch on to end the podcast. Uh, silly chance that you guys send in either with or without a voice memo uh, and we rate them or slate them and see whether they could catch on or not. The first one is from Oldwin Boscowan and I really hope I pronounced your name right there. Dear Fulhamish, I've been very much enjoying the segment of the pod this season with prospective chance. In my opinion, one player whose chance have never been as good as his ability on the pitch is Niskins Cabano. Towing the party Isn't line of- eight at this point. <laughs> Which one? <laughs> I mean, does he have my, I mean, yeah, he's in the um, ABBA, ABBA one. But anyway, he says, towing the party line of ABBA-related charts and the campaign for his success in the Ballon d'Or, this chart may increase awareness of this cause. What a joy it would be at Bournemouth away if he scores Fulham 7th to see the away end um, doing the Poznan belting this out. So it's to the tune of Gimme, Gimme, Gimme. He plays on the left wing. And all the Fulham sing, gimme, 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 and these skins Cabano from the DR Congo to the banks of the Thames. Gimme, 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 and these skins Cabano winning the Ballon d'Or from the Premier League. The last nine needs work, but it's close. The last nine does need work, <laughs> but it is good. Gimme, 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 and these skins Cabano is fun, yeah. I like that a lot. Big fan. Well done. Very good. I'll give that. That's an eight. I, yeah, I'd even go. I'd even go nine. You know, it's original. It's fun. It's just that last line. Yeah, though. that last winning line the, needs work. Winning the Ballon d'Or from the Premier League, not quite there. It doesn't rhyme. It has to rhyme. Come on, we're uh, yeah. You know, we're not we're not newbies here. Yeah, <laughs> we've got, we got to get a rhyme in that last line, and then we'll be fine. Well, I'll, I'll have a think about it. Uh, this one's a. I think controversial. I've heard the suggestion before, but it's worth discussing. Jamie Smith. Hi all, long time listener of the pod. Been thinking of a new chant for a few weeks now. Anything to get me out of uni work. <laughs> I love that people's dissertations are going down the pan, trying to think of a good chant for this will catch on. I was at the Bournemouth 1-1 game at the cottage and the Cherries kept singing, we've got super Scotty Parker. I've also heard that lot up the road sing it about Thomas Tuchel yeah. so here's one for Marco Silva which is that we've got Super Marco Silva he knows exactly what we need Tosin at the back Mitro attack the Whites going to the Premier League yeah I think it's a good charm but I feel like I don't like it because well yeah I mean but that said the um, 
the Nico Williams one that we discussed earlier is is a Kai Havertz song, isn't it? So, I mean, if we we sometimes you just have to nick things from people you don't like. In fact, it's probably better to nick things from people you don't like rather than like stealing from your mates. Um, so, if you're going to nick mm. stuff, nick it from people you don't want. To do no, that. I mean, it's a I'm brilliant. Not a not a fan. Sorry, not no, a fan. Not I don't I like, like it. it. I don't like. I like the song, but it's it like, doesn't. But it's so it it's so big for them, though, isn't it? It's quite it's quite big, and it just yeah. I don't know. I just I just don't like it when. I like originality, you know. Sorry, this is my rare, you know, interference. Your rare foray. <laughs> my rare foray into this into this genre. Yeah, n- not for me. Not for me, Clive. I think I think it's a brilliant chant. I've heard the suggestion, especially toasting at the back, Metro and Attack. I think if we'd have thought of it first, I just, uh, especially with that Bournemouth sang it so much at the cottage that time. I feel like it's theirs. They've got it. It's one we've missed out. It's like it's like when Villa likes Villa fans sing Alea, the Alea song and Liverpool sing it as well. I just, I just, I it really it. gets it gets me. You know, it hurts. It should be like one song. It's a Neapolitan song. It belongs to Napoli. Uh, And then Porto took it off Napoli. Liverpool took it off Porto. And then Villa took it off Liverpool. Loads of type teams now sing the Ale Ale Ale. Blackpool sung it loads. It's Tin Pot. Is it? I think it's a great song, but it's only good. I I do feel like it's only good if you sing it in like a foreign language. And that sounds really like ridiculous, but the actual version of it that Napoli sing is like, I will give my heart to defend this city till the day I die. Um, It's a a far cry from like, we're the whole tent. Um, Like, you know, you know, there's, there's there's a bit of a difference there. So, yeah. Yeah. I think it's one of those that, I think I didn't mind when Liverpool did it. They were kind of the first to bring it to England. I think Cardiff sing it a lot as well. Um, you'll hear that in a couple of weeks when we go there. Um, so I'm just, I'm not a fan of, uh, of nicking songs as well, but you know, sometimes it is the, uh, the crime that you have to commit. But if right. it catches on then I mean, fine, but it would have to go some way. It'd have to be like, it'd have to overtake it. Wouldn't it? It would have to be really front and centre. Let's come on to some charts then with voice memos. And I can promise you that all of these are very original. Um, emphasis on very. Uh, this one is from Clayton Bricklemeyer, who says, this is a bastardized version of Domino by Van Morrison. Not sure about the pauses, but this has to be something, right? Um One thing I want to say here is I think the singing is excellent in this. I think that whether it catches on or not, but if this was the voice, I'd turn my chair. Um, hand over to Clayton. This is a song for Fabio Carvalho. Whoa, Fabio, Fabio Carvalho, there you go. I said, whoa, whoa, whoa Fabio. Dun, 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 I mean, great voice. Yeah, great voice. Great song. Great song. Great original song. Um, Like, you know, if we're using Van Morrison as a basis, we tend to be doing well. Um, But probably a little bit too musical for, for us um that that's that's going to get lost that's going to get swallowed up by the hammersmith then now so then can't do that tune from scooter um like i don't think they're gonna have the quite the uh the the minerals uh in a musical sense to to be rocking some, some van morrison brilliant though real nice voice really enjoyed that that was good I thought maybe we could play that when we're somber, when Fabio Carvalho leaves and then we, we we need like a that's the a, kind of thing that could go in as a as a Fulhamish break. Yeah, maybe on the day it happens, you know, it's just something like, 
we leave you with the the some the soothing voice of Clayton. Yeah, to, lovely. Uh, well done, Clayton. I like that a lot. Big fan. Uh, the next one is from Harrison Doyle, who says to the tune of the Israeli folk song, Hava Nagila. Oh, that classic, yeah. <laughs> Appreciate you, fellas. Best, Harrison. Uh, and it's a chant for Nathaniel Chalaba, who does need a chant. Whether it's this one, who knows? Um, you all know the tune when you hear it. Um, this is amazing. Chala Bonithan, Chala Bonithan, Chala Bonithan. Chala Bonithan, Chala Bonithan, Chala Bonithan. Hey! That's really good. That's really good. I like that a lot. It's not catching on, but it's it's really good. I enjoyed I it a lot. Yeah, I enjoyed it a lot as well. Um, I never thought that Israeli folk songs would be the basis for chants. Um, Nathaniel Chalaba does need a chant. I feel like if, if I'm going to put a uh, call to arms for more chants, I think we do need a good Chalaba one out there. Um, whether it is Hava Naglia, I don't know, but it's it's a possibility. Look, it's out in the ether now for the, for the world to decide. Um, but I enjoyed it a lot. So shouts out. That was good. Okay. There's been some real good, um, real good musical performances so far today. Well, just you wait. Uh, <laughs> this is the last one of the day from Justin Miller. Uh, he's called it, this will catch on submission. He said, honestly, I got this into my head and just had to send it to you. It's to the tune of Rihanna's We Found Love. <laughs> This is going to be excellent. I have no idea what's coming and I'm very excited. He says, it's ridiculous, I know, but imagine how much this would wind up other fan bases, involve the clappers somehow, and it's pure perfection. So I will hand over to Justin and his version of We Found Love for a mixture of Harry Wilson and Alexander Mitrovich. Harry Wilson comes down the right. Your defender's not by his side. He's got a target set in his sight. Now the cross comes flying by. He found Metro in open space. 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 Play again, Sam. Say again, Sam. Reload. Harry Wilson comes down the right. Your defender's not by his side. He's got a target set in his sight. Now the cross comes flying by. He found Metro in open space. It's that that gets he me. He found Metro in open space. space. He found Metro in open space. space. He found Metro in open space. Unbelievable. It's just unbelievable. It's a 10. It's a 10. It's a great 10. We should do this on Saturday. <laughs> Somebody speak to the club PA system and get We Found Love on the sound system before the game. It's going to go off. Ivan, if you're listening, please. Ivan, please. please. Ivan, please. Put the call in. Put the call in. Oh God. I was in my kitchen earlier looking through the emails. I was like, oh, let's come through, have a cup of tea. And I was honestly in tears.
absolute tears. I'm in tears now. Um, it's one of the best ones we've had. Justin, thank you so much. <laughs> That's right up there with um, with the 007 theme tune. Oh, yeah. <laughs> I think, I think he might have, uh, I'm sorry, John, I think he might have eclipsed it. He found Mitro in open space. <laughs> just the best thing I've ever heard. I thought there was going to be another line. I thought like, I don't know, man, if I reach in open space, he heads it in the goal with his face or something. Yeah. Like, <laughs> no, he just repeated it over and over again. Unbelievable. Justin, thank you so much. It really made my day. That's all for the podcast today. Uh, more chance, please, to hello at fullamish.co.uk. I'm doing my best to get through them. Um, and we'll play them on next Thursday's Thursday Club podcast. Uh, until then, have a great weekend. And thank you to my guest, Peter Rutzer. Thank you. <laughs> thank you, Sammy. And Jack Collins. Thank you. Thank you so much. Mostly to Justin, but also to you too. Oh, great. <laughs> Let's hope Fulham can get three points on Saturday against Huddersfield and keep the promotion train on the rails. Have a great weekend coming, you whites. You whites!